1: Hello, once again, my friend, this is Black Mental Matters. How you doing? I'm Vince, The Voice Bailey. This program, again, this podcast designed to eradicate that stigma as it relates to mental health, but also we deal with just how we process things, period, in the black community. And boy, I tell you, this has been a whirlwind. We got the pandemic going on, elections, and it continues down here in Georgia as we get ready for this big uh, super runoff. And so I wanted to uh, have, boy, what a powerful lady this is and her organization all up People around there, Latasha Brown, the organization is Black Voters Matter and Black Voters Matter Fund, and she just brings it. I mean, she brings it to the table of why this runoff that's coming is so uh, important and just why we have to take care of our own community, why it's so important, why we have to get out here and help and love one another. So I love this program. Here it comes. It's Black Mental Matters. black mental matters vince the voice and i'm telling you i've got her on the line you have seen her she is award-winning organizer philanthropic consultant political strategist jazz singer instructor mentor uh she, i mean latasha brown of the uh, co-founder of black voters matter see i'm, I'm nervous talking to you latasha because i'm welcome to the show thank you so much little Tasha thank you so much for being here thank you thank you
0: Vince thank you for having me and what you didn't say which I was waiting on you should say a friend and a fan because I am a fan of you and your work um, as well as consider myself a friend so thank you for having
1: me on see that's why you so bad girl you just know how to get it right in there (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome (laughs) well well, I I want to uh uh Latasha because now you're on the forefront right now I mean Black Voters Matter and and we're here in Georgia together and more the whole world is on Georgia but I want to bag up a little bit because your background when we first in fact when I first met you I think I was asking you about coming to sing at the Atlanta Job Corps or something like that <laughs> that time. is exactly how we
0: met that's exactly how we met
1: <laughs> and you was busy then no I think you was ready to do it but <laughs> yeah I, wanted I was going to
0: do it I'm always busy so I'm going to always be busy
1: because I'm a busy but I was absolutely going to do it well and, and once I got got to, to know you and then i learned about at, at that time uh, i don't think you weren't doing the black voters matter uh, uh project which is just oh my god folks look it up black voters matter and, and and support but uh you you had talked about your background of uh helping the folks in new orleans and on behalf of all my family and friends i want to say thank you for what you did but th- 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 how do how do we get to where we are here latasha uh being so, miss so latasha you know, brown I, I,
0: so I- Tell people that basically, all, I'm just an organizer. Mm. I mean, bottom line, everything I am just an organizer.
1: So was Barack so Obama. Come on now,
0: right? <laughs> Listen, and, and, and I'll give Barack Obama for his money an organizer. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, like literally, I am clear that I am an organizer. I organize resources. I organize people. I organize power. Mm. Like that's literally what what I have kind of. If I look at the trajectory of my life, that's literally what I've done. And so at some point I really got to the point, um, probably just about 15 years ago that I was able to call myself an organizer. I just knew that I just like, I just just like to make stuff happen. I just like to put things together. I could see things, I could see collective power and I like to put people Things together and listen i have had some tremendous successes when i tell you i have had some amazing failures yeah. right oh yes and yes, yes even yes. through those and through those processes the beauty about it is that i've never let a failure of mine go waste mm. that i literally like some of the biggest lessons that I, that have literally shaped me to be a better organizer have come from those areas that i just straight messed up like when I failed and so I think part of what has helped like the shaping of who I am and how I have been approaching the work is that I don't see my grandmother used to say that she, she used to always say that all things work for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purposes. Amen. and so I mean I would hear people say that and I would hear her say that to the point where I don't even think I knew individually the words. I just hear, I'm like, here she goes. All things good to those over love God and all her poetry purposes. I didn't even, I never broke that down mm. until literally I had to pull strength from that. Mm. When I had gone through an experience where I knew that I had done the best work that I could do. Mm. I knew that I had worked the hardest and I lost. Mm. And I couldn't understand at the moment, like how could this happen? I gave everything I had. I put everything into it, mm. and I knew—I—I I, I just knew that there was, like, at the time, there was nothing else that I knew what to do, right? And so it was in that moment that I recognized that in that I had to surrender. Mm. That at that in that moment, it wasn't a loss. It's so funny because I think about I mean, even to this day. A couple of weeks ago, I was like, thank you, Jesus, for letting me lose it." I was like, oh, this would have been a mess. I would have been stuck. <laughs> like, the fact that I lost that opportunity, this, this project I was working on, I lost that opportunity forced me to look deeper for other opportunities. And so as I look deeper for other opportunities, it's almost like a breadcrumb trail. Yes. I just started following the breadcrumbs. Yes. I was like, okay, God, wait, where would you have me? Yes. Like, where does my gift work? Where does, and it says that your gift will work and will make room for you. Hmm. So instead of me trying to make the room, or instead of me trying to force myself to get in the room, I decided, after this this extraordinary loss I experienced, I decided to focus on just operating in my gift. Mm. And as I literally started operating in my gift, opportunities, opportunities that I hadn't even thought about, started revealing themselves and revealing themselves to me. And like breadcrumbs, I was like, okay, well let me follow this. And so, and part of that, what I had to realize that I had to surrender, Amen. that I had to literally make myself a servant. that I had to say, like, let me, God, let me let you lead me where you want me to go. And so part of my work, I believe, is part of a larger ministry. Yes. I don't know if it's a ministry that I have. I think it's it a part is. of a min- a larger is. ministry. Yes, it's a larger ministry that I'm a part of. Yes. That at the end of the day, everything that I am doing, right, is literally in the spirit of, can I literally create and generate a little more love and work? Like, how can I create mm. a more loving world? Like mm. literally even my political work is driven by this question for the love of humanity. How can I operate and put folk in position and take those out that literally are not operating for the love of humanity? How can I create and push and organize around power and policy that actually says, the love of humanity, and so it's interesting because I think sometimes I would say that there's a phase in my life that I was looking for the external thing. I wanted the position, I wanted, and I you yeah, I wanted the position, I wanted the mm, job, I yes. wanted the resources, yes. right? I wanted the glory, like all of that. Now, what I want is I am so honored that God would use me. Mm. I just want to be used. Oh mm. my like, God, use me! And so <laughs> when I surrendered myself to that. I cannot tell you how it has opened up so much in
1: my life. Oh, my God. Listen here, I'm about to take a collection. The choir's going to sing and uh, (laughs) I want everybody just to marinate on what you just said. Oh, my God, because you, I mean, I I see it clearly, Latasha, and I think that's one of the reasons uh, I I love you so much because, I mean, following, reading about, you know, your work and then knowing you and and, and things, I mean, it it is just so inspirational and, I mean, the things that, I know you, too, you get excited. This is what I get excited about. When I see something, I say, oh my God, because I know it's so much more than that. You know what I'm saying? You know, when, you, right. when he, when he show you a little stuff, now see, and this ain't, this isn't supposed to be a religious show, but you got me going. <laughs> I really, I mean, I mean, <laughs> we in <at> church here for a second, but when you is, see and something. This,
0: and the funny thing, is, I'm not even talking about it in the context of right. religion for me. This is my politics. This yes. is my life. Yes. I carry, I, I carry my belief, not in a context of, it. I don't care what you believe. Right. I don't care what your right. faith is. Matter of fact, I don't even care if, it is not up to me whether you choose to believe in a higher power or, nothing. Or, or, or or a higher power. You can call it what you want. God, I, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not attached to that. But we have got to acknowledge that there is some power called love, that we are all, we all crave, that we all desire. Who who can say that there's not something, some kind of element of power that is love? So if people are more comfortable with saying that it's love, then that's fine with me, uh, whatever that is, however they understand that. But there has to be a human acknowledgement that there is something, there is some power, there's some energy, there is something that many of us call different names, some of them call love, some of them call energy, some of them call God, whatever, that literally is operating uh, on our behalf. And so for me, it's not about trying to evangelize people of a particular kind of belief. It's literally around me just sharing my story of, I have to own what eat.
1: That's right. That's right. And, 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 you know, again, this is Black Mental Matters. And, and, and there are many episodes, you know, we talk about clinical types of things when you think about mental health and but, but really it's how you uh, live your life. And that, you know, that's what you're talking about right there. And, and just being obedient and uh, following, uh, like you said, using the gifts that you, that you have been given, Uh, even, uh, uh, bringing your, your, your songstress attributes to the table. I mean, with it, keep your eyes on the house. Like, go ahead, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who?
0: And, and I'm not asking people, you know, this is going to sound strange what I say, but I'm not asking people to believe in anything outside of themselves. Mm. That's not my approach. What I am saying is that there is something in you that you have to tap tap into that that you are, I am. Like there's something that you have to tap into. Like when, that, when, when we die, that body is there. You know, if something's missing, you're like, okay, I see the body, but, the person ain't there no more, right? What is that? That is the spirit, mm. and so I think we spend so much time trying to fix up and to um, make the outside look good, and ain't nothing wrong with it because I like it. I like I like the outside looking good too, right? That's right. But that really where our power is is in that inner spirit. That power is in that piece of us that says, "I love me." That is, that I am an embodiment of love, that I am the highest expression of love, right that I am that everything that I am going through, including those things that that have caused me pain, including those things that have been harmful to me, that how can I extract from that to literally use it as my stepping stone to really tap into such a sometimes some, I can tell you. It was a, a, a heartbreak for me. A relationship was a heartbreak for me that literally was the biggest lesson. Mm. That it was the biggest catalyst for me yes. of getting to the point to love myself. Yes. I thought I loved myself. I was in this relationship. I thought I was good. Mm. I was like I am good, Like mm. right? Until it went south, and then all of a sudden, everything about me I questioned. Mm. I questioned. I was pretty. I questioned. I was I worthy? I questioned. I was I good enough? Or why he don't want me? Why he won't marry me? Why did he leave me? all of those things. And so it made me get down to the bottom. I had to get down to the bottom where I literally had to deal with this issue that I did not feel worthy to anybody. I was waiting for somebody to say you're worthy. I was waiting for somebody to pick me. I was waiting for somebody to tell me that they love me because I didn't want to, I had not tapped in to that source inside of me that love source, that everlasting love source inside of me that says, I love me. Like, yes. it, if you're loving me, that's just going to be extra. That, that, <laughs> that's, that's, I don't I
1: know that's right. I know that is right, uh, Latasha. That that is a hard
0: piece. I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I know that there are people having a hard time, so I don't want right. to minimize it and act like, oh, just do that. No, it's not that easy. Right. It is a journey. Yes. yes. It is a journey, but I do think in this culture, part of what we see is we, unfortunately, you know, and I saw this when I was in Southeastern Asia, and this woman said to me, she was like, part of the problem with Westerners that y'all don't understand that pain has a purpose. Mm. And, that was, and that was, I was like, what? Mm. That like, like that, that, that shook me. Mm. I'm like, who wants pain? Because my whole life, I'm trying to run from pain, Mm. right? And so, but at the end of the day, pain is a part of the human experience. Yes, it is. None of us escape it. Yes. None of us escape it. And so the goal is how do we create the tools to be able to transform that pain right into possibilities for ourselves? How do we get? of the kind of support system to really be able to work through and navigate through pain, right? Because sometimes we can't navigate through it with, by ourselves. How do we get the insight that what, what when, when we're experiencing that pain, how do we allow that moment to say, okay, what is trying to be revealed to me in this moment, right? Let me let me see what is being strengthening in me right now. That yes, some parts have been broken, but that's so new life can come through. Sometimes some plants got a back, like in the, if we're in the winter right now. Some things got to die some, so, so in the spring, the new shoots will come in. And so I've had to go through that process many times in my life. I've had to let part of what I thought I was attached to, beliefs that I had, I had to let them die to make space for other things to actually grow forth.
1: Boy, we're talking again to uh, Latasha Brown, award-winning organizer, philanthropic consultant, co-founder of Black Voters Matter Fund, a power-building Southern-based civic engagement organization, playing an instrumental role in everything politics right now. And uh, it's just an honor again having you here. You said so much, and and that's the reason we're doing this show right here. You you talk about your pain, my listeners know. You know, I suffered uh, or, or you know had uh, a suicide uh, in my family, and it empowered me though, Latasha and it, they did, their lives were not in vain. And so it empowered me. It says, hey, you can help others with the skills that you have. You don't know what people are going through. Give them a smile. Give them some hope. Give them, uplift them. And as a result, oh my God, I've been, you know, it's taken me all over the country, all over the place, you know, to do uh, things. And so I feel so close, uh, you know, I feel so much of what you're saying. It is so, so, so very true. And now we see you, Latasha. Now you you have really, um, I mean, I think every day I own, on MSNBC or CZ, all these TV channels, (laughs) and rightly so, because I know the the dedication and work that you, well, I I know what I see, uh, but I I know it's even more than that, the dedication and work that you have put into empowering communities, and I I just wanna bag up again one time about your work that you did Prior in in Louisiana, tell, tell me quickly about that again, or not quickly, but so
0: some but. of the some of the work that I did when I say I organize people, resources, and power. That you know, I, um, in two thousand and five, after I've always been an organizer, I've always tried to figure out. Like my my prayer is, I've always wanted to be a, a conduit to connect resources to communities in need. That's, I, I've always wanted to do that and be a vet around that. Yes. And so because of that, that brought me in terms of organizing communities in a way that I'm actually listening. If you want to meet the needs of the community, first thing you got to do is listen. And listen. so for a number of years, I've been working throughout the South. And one of the areas that I worked in was in New Orleans. I did a lot. I started my career, my adult career um, in social justice and doing youth organizing. And so I would actually learn from young people for a number of years. You know, if you really listen and work around young folks, you can learn a lot. Yes. Um, because in many ways they're less filtered, they're more raw, Um, attach to their emotions and there's a a level of immaturity that leaves space for growth Mm -hmm. that you can actually see the transformation. You know, at some point when we get adults, we think we already know everything and so we can't live, right? And so even young people think they know everything but but through life and age they're forced to grow and you can actually see that. And so um, part of the work that I did, um, I ran an organization I was a a co-director of an organization called 21st Century Youth Leadership Movement and we worked throughout the South And one of the places we worked in was in Treme in New Orleans for a number of years. And so in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina happened, um, I got a phone call from some of the folks that I were working with for a number of years that they needed some support. You know, and in Alabama, I was doing some felony reenfranchisement work. I was working with some formerly incarcerated brothers to help them set up an organization to get formerly incarcerated people registered to vote. Yes. And so part of what we did is we were able, I'll be honest, I heard something. My spirit told me to move. And I went downstairs and literally just started organizing to get some support down on the Gulf Coast and create an organization called Saving Ourselves Coalition, SOS Coalition. And we organized, it's interesting, because the thing that I knew how to do was I knew how to do elections. For a number of years, I had been doing GOTV work in Mm. elections. Mm. And so what I did is I created this model based on a GOTV model. I used the same GOTV get-out-the-vote model. Um, and instead, literally, we distributed resources like water and food and cleaning supplies yes. and medicine, what people needed, based on that model, on that kind of network. And at one point, we were working in three states. We had 119 organizations that were a part of, at organized that were a part of this effort. I did that for a number of years. Wow. Um, particularly after Katrina. And then BP, we couldn't even get, you know, catch our breath. And here comes along the BP oil spill. And mm. so BP oil spill happened. I don't know if folks understand how that devastated coastal communities in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and, and in Florida. Um, and so, and parts of Texas. And so I wound up becoming engaged in this organization. They asked me to direct it called the Gulf Coast Fund. And we created a fund where we distributed over $2 million to grassroots groups and coastal grassroots groups that had been impacted by the DP oil spill. And then I built, then, then like building from that because I started realizing well, if we don't want to do this work, we got to have money. So how can I get more money in the South? And so the next thing I did is I actually said, well, I'm going to go on the philanthropy side because I want to bring the money down, right? I, I figured out how to organize the people. I know how to organize programs. I need to organize money to come to the South. And so I wound up working and becoming the first director of what was called the the Grantmakers for Southern Progress. And so essentially it was an affinity group of, of regional funders, foundations, and national foundations to really think about, how can we get more resources in the South? More money. What more, more grant dollars on the ground in the South to actually help support communities of color and those groups that were doing structural change? And I did that for about three years and it was a wonderful experience and that's still part of my family. But even in that process, I was like, Y'all moving too slow for me. I was like, Now how many reports and studies we gotta do? I mean, we did five reports. I was like, Okay, now I'm done with the report, can we move this money? <laughs> that's and, right. So, you know, as a result, I decided that I wanted to, I was like, I wanted to start a fund. And so we did. We created Cook Albright and I created yes. a Black Voters Matter Fund hey, because we were very intentional that not we wanted to organize groups on the ground, but we wanted to build the capacity of those groups and those organizations that are on the ground. And this election cycle, we were able to fund over 600 black led grassroots groups in 11 states. Wow. And what that means is we wrote checks. Mm. from 5,000 over to 300,000 to over 600 block-led mm. grassroots groups throughout the country. We provided support tools like text messaging, we able to do text messaging campaigns, phone banking, materials, T-shirts, yard signs. What our goal is, is how if we invest, we believe that if you invest in the ground, on the ground, to those groups to build capacity, that we'll build our ecosystem up. And that is how we're going to make change. And so my whole, you know, all of my jobs have had kind of three things in common. One, they've all been centered in some way around social justice. How do we create and make things better for the least of these? Those of us that are living on the margins, our communities that are most vulnerable. Two, Every single one of them, there's some aspect of it, of connecting resources, some more than others, but each one of is around connecting resources. And three, literally, it was rooted in the empowerment of people, that whatever we did, it couldn't be about what I wanted to do. It had to be a collective process. It had to be work that the collective would do together so that we can move our community
1: forward. I tell you, if I had a hat, I would take it off to you and Cliff and the whole Black Voters Matter Fund family because uh, if if you haven't, folks, look them up online, go to the Facebook page Black Voters Matter and see the work that was done. You got the blackest fleet of buses now that have been going across the country throughout the South, getting people registered to vote, uh, empowering communities, as you say, funding organizations and things. And and that's, you know, in the the time that we have left, that, that wanted to get to this because this is a pivotal time in our history not only in georgia but for the entire country but the, all our eyes are on georgia right now as it relates to this vote and I, just a very basic question first latasha why should black folks vote because you know you hear sometimes some pushback oh, this ain't gonna matter that ain't gonna matter but the name of this is black voters matter why do black voters matter latasha
0: because black people matter, mm. because black health matters, mm. because the black community matters, because black children matter, because black safety and peace matters, because black resources matter, because black businesses matter. And so fundamentally, part of our work is really about not just about if, if, if our work is not about getting people to believe in a system that we know has been inherently Prejudice that has been inherently structurally racist against us, but it is our goal is to get black people to believe in themselves. Yes. Our goal is for us to use every agency to use our agency to get every, we can't leave no power on the table. That's right. Our community is not in a circumstance that we can leave anything on the table. We need it. We need everything that our community can get. We need it. And so we need people in place that are making policy decisions that are impacting our lives. Right now, as we speak, there are hundreds of thousands of people in the hospital disproportionately people of color who are literally fighting for their lives because of a policy or the lack of policy because one man wanted to stay in office. Currently there are millions of folks that are in jail right now, literally separated from their families, like not able to operate in their gifts, that are taken away from our communities, that have had a devastating impact on their children, their families, and the people that love them, because there were folks that made policy that some folks got 10 years in jail, while some folks got a out of it, right? mm. And while while some of our community was targeted, our piece around Black Voters Matter is not centered around trying to convince people to believe in the system our work is centered around telling black folks that we've got to use multiple tools whatever tools we can to reduce the harm that's happening in our community to hold folks accountable who are in positions of leadership that operate against the interests of our community and to put people in office at the very least that will align with the interests of our agenda. That's what politics is about. It's about power. It ain't about participation. I mean, it ain't about um, whether we like somebody or not. I don't need no new friends. I'm not voting (laughs) for you because I like you. I'm voting at the end of the day. It is about power. And so we got to shift this conversation because at the end of the day, every single person that's listening, that their their aspect of every aspect of their lives, some. Policy is part of what governs it, and so I don't know about you, but anything that is going to actually have some government over the past round, well, any decision that is being made about me, I need to be a part of that decision-making process. So when we're telling people about voting, we're not lying them saying, "Well, voting's gonna solve all your problems." No, it's not. We're not even saying that voting is gonna be for uh, voting is gonna be the thing that brings us liberation, because that's not what I believe. What I do believe and I know to be true is that you, literally who is in office can make a difference on how resources are allocated. And my community needs more resources. What I do know is that I have been in enough courtrooms that when there's a certain DA and another judge, everybody know it? Like, if you could be in the courtroom and i hear folks whisper and say, oh no, you don't want that judge. That's right. People know the difference, That's right. right? So at the end of the day, we have to use what agency we have and whatever measure of power we have to literally protect, our community, and to protect the
1: most vulnerable of us. So that's why I do the work that I do with Black Voters Now. Oh, it, it is outstanding, and, and what you just said, and it's not not just those uh, elections that take place on the national level, even more important, is those ones, or just as important, are those ones on your local level, and that's why people have to you know, be aware of who's there, uh, on their school board, and who is the local district attorney. Just like you say, oh Lord, I don't wanna be in court with that judge, well, you could've voted, and uh, that just could have or should have not been there. Um, uh, you That's know, right. it's, it's what we have to do. Latasha, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just uh, so uh, thankful, first of all. I don't want to use the word proud because I'm, I'm beyond proud. I'm just thankful for the work that you and, and all of uh, your colleagues have been doing. And I'm looking forward. It's going to be an exciting time here. I know you excited. I'm going to tell everybody, I mean, I, by the time this, uh, uh, it'll be the tomorrow because this will start Wednesday. But on Thursday, you Zoom in with Oprah, girl. Come on now. Come Come on Latasha, you zoom in with Oprah. This, I'm, I'm telling y'all, look this woman up. If you don't know, you better ask somebody about Latasha Brown and Black Voters Matter. But congratulations! I am, uh, amazing,
0: I am looking forward to that conversation. I am, I have been just an admirer of Oprah and all that she's building, all that she represents. Um, and so to be in conversation with her about Georgia because she said she got Georgia on her ass, uh, right? Right? And uh, so to uh, <laughs> able to have this conversation with her and other sisters, um, I am just really really looking forward to it so I hope people do join the crowd is open they can join the the conversation and I'm like really really incredibly excited about it I so know, thank you for looking it
1: up I know you are Thursday uh, December the 3rd at uh, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific all I'm saying is when you get your TV show can I go ladies and gentlemen Latasha Brown and then you come on you out. <laughs> <love it. Absolutely. laughs> well God bless you girl thank you so much for your time here today and uh we're gonna do this again we're gonna do this again and we're gonna do this again and again and uh, we just love, love you me. thank you for so much for your work alright
0: thank you so much thank
1: you uh-huh. bye bye